Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is episode 220. I am joined uh, on this late Tuesday night uh, edition of the pod. The dog days of August are here. I'm joined by my co-host Prez. That is at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? Just so much going on around the league, man. I, I don't know how we're going to have time to cover it all. <laughs> Yes, uh, so much has happened. Uh, so much has happened in the last week that I literally just decided on my own that we didn't need to do a Monday pod. Uh, <laughs> that was great. Uh, but before we get started, I do have to make an announcement. The Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday. This pod right here that I do with Prez, you also get access to the Doug bag, the Doug mailbag a.k.a. Drew Steele, uh, that he does every other week, at least when things are actually happening in the NBA. Uh, you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where even amidst the malaise that the league is in, the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a 9 dollars that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more, uh, although not so much lately, because literally nothing is happening. Uh, there's You also get access to Wonderful weekly articles by Jack Conley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. Uh, not so weekly right now, those articles, but when shit starts happening, the articles will start happening. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, a $30 tier, a $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like live watch parties, listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Uh, so, you know, look, I want to start with this. This is what I want to talk about. I have never been more annoyed by something than this leaking of the fucking schedule for the season. And it's like Shams and Mark Stein. Yeah, I missed that whole cycle. What exactly happened? No, nothing is like, it's just they're leaking individual game dates at this point. And it's like, why is this a reveal? It's like, games are scheduled on days. I don't need, like, I don't need to know when we're playing the Mavericks right now. I'll, I'll find out when the fucking schedule comes out. It's just so weird. But then, like, tied to this is the whole Christmas thing. And I, I, the Knicks are playing on Christmas. Um, the Knicks always, they basically always play on Christmas. So I don't know why every single fucking year they get scheduled on Christmas. And then we have to do this, like, Woe is me. I cannot believe the NBA has scheduled the Knicks for Christmas Day. This is the most, this is like a fucking war crime, a human rights atrocity. And it's just like, shut up, man. I'm so sick and tired of this shit. Um, I want to let people know on something, okay? First of all, if the Knicks playing on Christmas is some like, offense to you personally that's going to ruin your entire day, you're probably a really shitty person 
and you probably have a terrible relationship with your family and friends. And that seems a lot more important than worrying about whether the Knicks are playing or not. Because that shit should not impact whether or not your Christmas Day is is going to go, how, how that's going to go. Because when the Knicks didn't play, I had a blast. When the Knicks play, I have a blast. Because guess what? It is fucking Christmas. You're spending time, presumably, with family or friends. Or maybe you just, nobody is around, so you just spend time. You have a little, a, a little me time. That's fine, too. But guess what? If this is so upsetting to you, you're a fucking loser and probably a shitty person. So please shut the fuck up about it. It is not a crisis that the Knicks play on Christmas. It's also not a crisis that the Lakers play on Christmas. And let me tell you something. This idea, oh, nobody wants to watch watch the Knicks. Yes, I am sure the NBA that is obsessed with ratings, that needs ratings, is putting the Knicks on because nobody watches them. You want to know what? Want to know who watches Knicks? The Knicks? Knicks fans, you want to know which fan base is the most gigantic, just vociferous set of fans in the entire NBA? Knicks fans. That's who it is. And guess what? The fucking noon game on Christmas, half the country, all these West Coast fucks, are still asleep. They don't give a shit. They're not watching the noon game anyway. You get the biggest, you get the biggest media market in the country. They'll watch the Knicks, and then they will move on with their Christmas day. Like normal, sane people, okay? And it's fine. They're going to play the, the Sixers, and if the Sixers kill them or embarrass them and Harden puts up a 50-point triple-double while he's, you know, fucking doing a hot dog eating contest with Joey Chestnut on the side, um, like, wonderful, fantastic. Like, all the people that are like, oh, I'm not going to watch the Knicks. I hate this. You want to know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be watching the game, and they're going to be making the stupidest, lamest, corniest, unoriginal, just fucking absolute bottom-of-the-barrel LOL Knicks jokes. That's what they're going to be doing. So all of these people who want to pretend that they're not going to watch the, the Knicks game or this is such a terrible thing, it ruins everything, please, 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 please shut the fuck up. Go get friends. Go reconnect with your family. Do something that makes you a productive human being. But whatever that is, all I want you to do is to please kindly shut the fuck up because I have never seen like the Knicks do anything and it triggers like people so much. It's like they're. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the funniest part of this to me is like a lot of the people who complain that this is somehow a slight against the integrity of Dr. Naismith's game or whatever are like, they know that. When you tweet about the Knicks, like whether it's, oh, wow, this is so cool what happened that the Knicks did, or, oh, the Knicks are fucking stupid, Knicks fans are annoying, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know which tweets do numbers. Like, you people tweeting out there, like, they understand that those tweets do numbers regardless of the content. And the same is true of just conversation generally. Like, there's a reason why outlets like ESPN love to just, make non-stories that make stories out of non-stories with the Knicks. Cause it'll get clicks. Like I literally saw blazers edge check. This is like, this is like aggregate aggregation inception. I saw SB nation, Twitter tweet about blazers edge posting about Tony Jones's and Sham's article in the athletic about absolutely nothing that happened 
that the Knicks and the Jazz are still interested in a trade and nothing is happening. That's like four times aggregation. That shit does not happen with any other team. And I sent it to you and Jeremy, and I was like, why is this happening? And then I answered my own question five seconds later, and it's, oh, it's some shit about the Knicks. So this is literally the most boring time of the offseason. So even if you're SB Nation's Twitter sharing a Blazer's Edge link, motherfuckers will click on it. And you know who motherfuckers are? Largely Knicks fans, because we're crazy. And that's not even getting to all the other people who consume Knicks content inadvertently, right? Like, there's a reason why the Strickland, which is, you know, our draft content is like me just twiddling away and a bunch of other people chipping in can get onto like not just draft Twitter, but other folks of other teams like to engage with it. It's because Nick's Twitter just proliferates everywhere. Like Nick's content just gives you touches and clicks and views and ratings and all that shit. Like it's not, it's not, nobody disputes this when you're shit posting about the Knicks, but all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're talking about the Christmas day schedule, the most important to the NBA form of, really making money off of coverage of a team and all of a sudden it's forbidden like nah bro that's not how it works like if you don't if you don't want espn to talk about the knicks and schedule the knicks and all that shit then shut the fuck up about the knicks for the other 364 days of the year i promise if everybody who complains about the knicks did that then the knicks wouldn't be on tv on christmas like easy solution just shut the fuck up about the Knicks. But other people can't do that. And Knicks fans certainly can't do that. I know I can't do that. That's why I'm here in the middle of August when nothing is happening. Like, But, but, like, but like that makes sense, right? Because you're a Knicks fan. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a Lakers fan, okay? I don't feel the need to, like, immerse myself in everything that goes on with the Lakers and comment on it and have extended, you know, think pieces and opinions on it. Um, at the same time, right? At the same time. And I thought this was really funny, right? So it's like, people are like, oh my God, the Knicks and the Lakers, two mediocre franchises. Why would they, why would they schedule them on Christmas Day? Forgetting the fact that these are probably the two biggest brands and just like fan bases in the sport of basketball. Um, like in the Lakers case, are we really wondering why the NBA would schedule LeBron James on Christmas Day? Is this like a real thing? Like, can we, we don't have brains. We can't use brains anymore. Like, it's just so stupid. I think with these two teams, people just lose their minds about like, they just lose all sense of objectivity when those two teams come up, right? It's just like, oh my God, this is like Satan's teams right here. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, I just think this entire offseason has been so annoying with, like, the Knicks stuff. Um, and it's like, you know, for, I'm not even going to go – we don't need to do the Brunson thing and, and the draft day trade stuff again. Like, I don't even want to get into that because it's just it, – we've, we've, we've talked about this so many times. But, like, the Mitchell trade thing to me is so funny because – Look, you you are like very pro make this trade. I am very much like, let's see what the price is, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Um, I am not as bullish, right? But like, like there's this segment of NBA fans, and I, at first I thought it was just like these psycho loser Mormon Utah fans, but it's actually just like broad NBA fans that are like 
they want it's so weird because they're like they want the Knicks to trade for Donovan Mitchell, right? But they like but they want them to give up everything because then they will make fun of them for giving up everything for Donovan Mitchell. But until that happens, right? Until Don, as long as Donovan Mitchell is not a Nick, until that point, now they will clown the Knicks because why are you not giving up everything for Donovan Mitchell? And oh my God, you have to do it because like the Knicks need a star or something. And it's just like I really don't know what that means. First of all, like the Knicks need a star F- for what? Like what does that mean? Like do they need a star to eventually win a championship? Yes, of course they do. But, like, they don't need a star at all costs to just, like, exist. You know what I mean? Like, like trust me, I watched plenty of terrible Knicks teams. This will not be one of them. Even last year's team, as miserable as it was for long stretches, anybody that tells you that was a terrible team is just a moron. Like, it's just wrong. I mean, they weren't a good team. They weren't an awful team. They were just a very mediocre team. That existed in an NBA season. Um, it's it's just like all there's no levity to any conversation about the Knicks, and I just think this this entire Donovan Mitchell stuff has even exacerbated even further. Where it's just like no matter what they do, be it trade for Donovan Mitchell, don't trade for Donovan Mitchell, try to drive a bargain, try to you know try to use leverage, and no matter what they do, somehow it is looked at as like a complete joke. Where it's like, oh my god, like, just, they have to give up what Danny Ainge wants. Like, this is so stupid. The Knicks should give up more because they have more to get Donovan Mitchell. And it's like, that's not how this works. And I just, I just find that entire discourse really, really stupid. Um, I have, I, I'm like actually really happy that I've, um, that there hasn't been a lot of NBA news over the last few weeks because, I've just, it's been nice to like not see every single day um, just stupid angles and takes on Donovan Mitchell or, you know, the Knicks' need to acquire Donovan Mitchell and what that price should be and why anything they do is stupid. It's just, I'm, I'm very happy that nothing has happened yet. And I'm also very happy that the conversation's kind of died down because we're in the dog days of August. I assume that'll pick back up as we go forward pretty soon. But um, yeah, I just, it's this entire offseason has been so annoying with that shit. Yeah. It's, you know, we've talked about it before, but like <clears throat> it, the narrative, the narrative nature of the offseason is, it's like a drug. Like it, it makes for amazing fun times and, Lots of good conversations and hilariousness and memes and shit. But, you know, one of the downsides is, like, you have the dog days. And even with the power of the most narrative-driven league in America, you know, you can't really win versus the dog days of August. So I, too, have a new appreciation for just the nothingness that we're dealing with. Like, last week, I couldn't even tell you what the fuck we talked about on the podcast. And guess what? that's fine. It's cool. Like there's less shit. Like literally the only shit, even the Utah jazz fan shit posting has gone down and you get spikes like the schedule and DeJounte Murray versus Paolo Bancaro. And you know, it's nonsense like that. But for the most part, it's, 
It's pretty chill, and I think motherfuckers could use some time to chill. <laughs> so it's probably for the best. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, there was some stuff that came out today that, um, well, one, uh, of much more importance and uh, something of actual note uh, was Stefan Bondi, Bundy of the Daily News reported that one Knicks exec had had their phone confiscated by the league. I don't think that's actually... Wait, what? What, what happened? <laughs> I did not hear that. The, the, the tampering investigation. Um, oh, oh, oh. Oh, as part yeah. of the investigation. They make... The yeah. way you... Is that how they... Like, did they run up on something? Like, is this like a subpoena from the league, basically? I have no idea. Uh, I like to imagine this as dramatically as possible. Like, Adam Silver sending goons through the ceiling to just fucking, like, Mission Impossible... Leon Rose's phone while he's having dinner with Jalen Brunson or something. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that this is probably, like, normal uh, during a tampering investigation. Way, way less fun, Schwinn. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that was interesting, I guess. Uh, but then they all, there was also the reporting that, like, I don't even understand what that report was other than Tony Jones trying to, like, desperately create some type of market for Donovan Mitchell that isn't just the Knicks because the report was basically that the Knicks and Jazz had had a conversation again recently about Donovan Mitchell but that there was no traction and that um, Charlotte and Washington are interested in him and it's just like I don't even know what to do with that because it's just like okay yeah cool they're interested not gonna happen Um, and then There was also a funny thing at the end of it where it was like, oh yeah, Mitchell is fine to start the season in Utah or at a new location. Um, And I'm just like, okay, well, that's fine. Um, I just, I don't know. I I think the entire thing is really stupid. Uh, Their reporting on it was specifically, I should say, is really stupid. And I didn't even, like, it was, I saw this report and then I, like, clicked on it and read it and it was actually a waste of, like, two minutes of my life that I wish I had back. Yeah, I'm happy I missed that. Um, so plus one for Prez and minus one for Schwinn. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. Um, in other news, um, the only other thing that's going on really in the NBA is, uh, you know, Kevin Durant. And I just, I, I find that story actually very funny. Um, for obvious reasons, but also for less obvious reasons, because like Kevin Durant is just very online, and he's been very online this offseason. And I just I hate I I don't really want to constantly talk about him, but he's just like such an insulting player to me. Um, today he's I don't know he was having some back and forth with Tommy Beer, which was hilarious. How many stupid things he managed to say in this entire back and forth. Um, but like he's constantly in like he i just can't deal with this notion that he always tries to like pass off of the fans don't actually matter and it's like i get it i like i get what i get that to an extent but like actually if the fans didn't exist you literally wouldn't make you would not be a, bil- a millionaire like you would not, you would not be as wealthy as you are. You not have generational wealth because, buddy, let me tell you something. You are not a great businessman. 
you're not a great businessman. You're just very rich. And when you're very rich, you can invest in a lot of businesses. And some of those get real fucking big. And you get really rich because of it. You're even richer than you already were. But guess how you got rich? Because fans care a shit ton about the NBA and they consume it on TV. They consume it by buying merchandise. They consume it by attending games. And I would love for Kevin Durant to honestly just shut the fuck up and stop insulting me and broadly all NBA fans because without that, he really, I mean, he'd, be, he'd still be a great, talented, amazing athlete. He would just be doing it, uh, you know, he'd be making as much as the random dudes that hustle it like Rucker Park do. So I, I don't, I don't really, I, I just, I, I can't stand it. And I, I'm hoping he gets traded soon because if he gets traded soon, then maybe he'll probably stop talking for a little bit. And then we can just talk about like, how will he ruin the Celtics? Um, like how, how, how was that going to happen? How will that self-destruct as most things that he uh, puts his hands on tend to self-destruct? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just over it. Like maybe he gets traded, whatever, like the Nets are just a whatever team to me. Like they're the first whatever team with a lot of talent that I can remember in a long time where it's like, I, I don't get excited to watch them play. I don't really care what they do to better their roster. Um, I'm sure there's been, I don't know, even Utah, like in even the Donnie Gobert, Utah, it was, I guess they were also like a, a good team that was just like whatever to me. I didn't really care about their moves in the margin because I had no faith that it would work. But like, man, I just truly don't give a fuck. And it's not even in the like malicious way. They're just like the absence of light. They're just, they just exist. And if Kevin Durant leaves to Boston, then it'll be an interesting experiment. But he kind of just, we, we talked about that. You know what? This is what we fucking talked about on the last pod. <laughs> yeah. Like the emotional, fo- I mean, the emotional footprint thing, like they'll be good, but they will be a lot less interesting. Um, just cause you pretty much know what you're getting from KD for better and for worse. And it's just, can everything else around that work? Okay. It's, it's like a sanitized math equation that usually doesn't add up. <laughs> The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I understand all the basketball 
arguments oh, yeah. for oh, yeah. going and getting Kevin Durant, right? But, like, I really think when we discuss this stuff, that there is a fundamental lack of, like, appropriate attention given to, like, what do fans want, right? And, like, it's very simple to just be like, well, fans want the teams, they want their team to win. Of course, fans want their team to win. But, like, I also think, well, what is a fan? Fan is short for what? Fanatic, right? And it's like, a fan, like, you're going to be a fan of a team, right? People that are fans of teams. The people that are fans of players and just follow around the read are, like, the lowest common denominator of life on the planet. Like, just the worst people, 100%, that are just like, no, I'm not a, I'm a KD fan. I'm a LeBron fan. Like, you know what you are? You're a fucking loser, bro. Um, that's what you are. But, like, normal people that are fans of teams, um, like, you want to root for a group of players on your team that you feel a connection with. And, like, I don't know if KD can, he doesn't, he, he's incapable of forming that connection. I mean, quite frankly, obviously that's not true, right? Because we know when he was in OKC, like, their fan base was obsessed with him. And I would say that it's not entirely fair to say that all Warriors fans or all Nets fans, like, none of them have any type of, like, you know, fond memories or some type of fan-level emotional connection with him. Um, but that said, I, I do think there's something there that lacks for him in that sense. And I just think, like, when we talk about this stuff, these trades, right? Like, yes, I agree on paper. It is very, like, like you can easily make an argument that Kevin Durant is worth giving up Jalen Brown and, you know, whatever. Let's just say Marcus Smart. Let's say that, that's the trade, right? And, like, I can understand that if you just throw that on an Excel spreadsheet and run the numbers and that's what comes out. Like, I, I totally get that. But I do, like, sports and the connection that teams have to their fan bases and and that's like a, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? Like, teams connect with their fans, fans connect with their teams, and that's like a very important thing that creates a kind of like, it does create a culture, right? It creates like, it's a very unique thing that exists in sports. Um, and when that's not there, or like when something is off, you know, it's, it's, I think like, if you don't have that, it does affect your ability on the court. Not like you individually, but like, I think it's important that those connections are there for teams to really excel and compete at the highest levels. And that's not to say like, if your fan base is locked in with your team, that automatically makes you good. No, you obviously still need talent to do that. And to that end, I understand why acquiring Kevin Durant is appealing. But for me, if I'm Boston, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, we got the NBA finals without this guy. Unless I know, right? Unless I know that Jalen Brown is leaving, I really wouldn't even consider this because, you know, there was all this stuff about like Brown and Tatum, but like, I don't, I don't think they ever disliked each other. I just think they suck at, they're not point guards. So like, you give them the ball a bunch, they're going to just have disjointed possessions. That's just what it is. Um, like, I think they like, I think 
they have a good chemistry internally. Um, I it, it seems like from the outside looking in that they actually have the ability to call each other out privately and publicly, and it's it's viewed it's taken in the right context, right? Like they're able to challenge each other. It's probably a good way of putting it. Uh, and they've they've been through all these you know they've been through a lot of playoff series and heartbreak together, right? Like they have been through ups and downs and all this shit. And I just think like there is a value to that that does make you as a group greater than the sum of your parts. And that's, it's not obviously cut and dry, right? Because we've seen teams that have a great season and then fall off the next year, right? Like, shit, we saw that with the Celtics. They had a terrible season, relatively speaking, they had a terrible season in 2020-21. And then this year they had a great season. But they didn't have a great season until like middle of January. They were just like, oh, you know what? We're just going to be awesome now. We're actually just going to keep winning all the basketball games. Um, but like there is that kind of sense of collective group they have. And I do think they have found something that has helped elevate them into not just a group of really talented players, but like a team to really be reckoned with as a potential championship contender. Um, one of the, I think they're, they might be the betting favorite right now. I'm not sure. I haven't looked in a while. Um, but like, I just, I wonder, like, there is something there of, even if the raw, like, just exchange makes sense, I think you do have to really consider, like, how do these guys impact each other? How do the internal dynamics work? And like, I think that's especially true with Kevin Durant, right? Who, goes to Golden State and is miserable. He's so miserable in Golden State, even though they are winning. They are winning championships. But he's miserable because he's not getting all the praise. Right? It's not it's 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 not viewed as like, oh my God, Kevin Durant lifting this team. It's viewed as like, oh my God, Kevin Durant running to the team that eliminated him in the playoffs for the easiest, freest rings that anybody has ever had in the NBA. And then he goes to the Nets. And and the thing that's crazy to me about the Nets, he's unhappy there, right? I think that's safe to say, obviously, given what we know now. They gave him everything. They literally gave him everything he wanted. Oh, you want to play with your buddy Kyrie? Cool. We're going to sign him. Oh, you don't want Kenny Atkinson as your coach anymore? Cool. He's fired. Oh, you want us to just give DeAndre Jordan four years, $40 million? Because he's your buddy? Cool. Oh, you want us to trade Jared Allen now because De- DeAndre Jordan's your buddy? Cool. Done. Oh, you want us to trade everything for James Harden? Okay. Done. Like, he's gotten everything every step of the way with his organization. And now that the consequence of him getting his way, right? The consequences of him getting his way. And for once, the franchise being like, look, we're not just going to give Kyrie Irving a five year max contract. And now this is all staring at him in the face. And his reaction is to just quit. He wants out. He wants to leave. If you're a team like, like I think not just Boston, but any team acquiring him, right? Like you really have to consider this because he seems like somebody who wherever he goes just finds reasons to be unhappy. He's like fucking Tony Soprano. guy. He's just find reasons to be unhappy and be miserable and be morose. And it takes away from like, you know, I, I think – you would agree with this, but like 
at its core, right? Like at the core of basketball, the reason why you probably got into basketball, I got into basketball, all these dudes for sure in the NBA that play play it for a living, that make millions and millions of dollars. But at the core of it, like basketball is like supposed to be a joyful thing. It's supposed to be like a joyful collective activity that you do with the group. And yes, obviously in the NBA, it's a business and it's serious and there's a lot of pressures that come with that. But like, even then, like one of the things that stands out, yeah, we can point to obviously the Warriors and Curry, but like, I think this was always, it stood out about the Spurs when they were at their best, but like all these great players, right? They take, they take, the work is joy for them. Like the game itself is a joy for them. And I just feel like with Durant, as great a basketball player as he is, it, it doesn't feel like for all this stuff, like, Oh, Katie's just a hooper. He just wants to hoop. He just wants to play ball. Like, yeah, maybe that's all true. It doesn't feel like it's a very joyful activity for him. Maybe it's not just the, all the stuff around the game itself, but like, I mean, that's part of it, dude. So I don't know what to tell you. And if you can't find joy in that and that just, you're constantly miserable. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just talked about a lot of fucking very meta shit there, but like, I, I, I think Boston, like, if I was Boston, I hope Boston makes this trade, by the way. I actually, I, I don't think it's a smart move. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But, like, I would not do it if I'm them. I think they have a really good thing. I get that maybe you need to get another star. Maybe you just wait. Maybe maybe, maybe he's not the star you go for. Yeah, I used to, I, I think I agree with you, and I didn't always agree with you. It's just, the meta shit is part of it, but even beyond that like just on a basketball level like Durant gives you a turbo version of what you already have if he's healthy which to me is definitely an improvement but it's not really an improvement over your weaknesses it's taking a very good strength of them and making it a little stronger at the risk of you know, injuries and having a player who is much older than Jalen Brown and all that. So if I, if I have, if I think if I'm like over 65% sure that, that Jalen's leaving, then I'll do it in a heartbeat. It's just math really there. Just get the best player you can for it, for him. But if I'm confident and he's staying, then I probably wouldn't do it. I just think it's uh it's a little too risky. Um, th- like you said, the the way the meta stuff, the meta stuff intersects with the on-court stuff is that last year's Boston's team for all their awesomeness, you know, they're very much a, more than the sum of the parts basketball team, right? It wasn't just like the overpowering power of LeBron and Bosh and D-Wade or whatever. It was extremely good shot creation from Jalen and Tatum, which they would still have with Tatum and KD, and everybody else pulling their weight and making up for a lack of penetration, um, you know, good but not great passing all around, stuff like that. And I mean, their offense is, like, not actually good. You know what I mean? I think that's... But they've found a way to just make it good enough. You know what I mean? Like, they can... They definitely have, like, these weird stretches where they're atrocious on offense because they get bogged down. And to, like you talked about this a lot where like they have no rim pressure, right? Like they just don't have a source of consistent rim pressure 
which leads to, I mean, we saw this with the Knicks. The Knicks have the same issue where it's like, because you don't have consistent, efficient rim pressure, right? Somebody's constantly collapsing the defense. Your offense has these ups and downs because you're so dependent on outside shooting. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, nah, you, you become an outside-in team. And, you know, when the Celtics pass great, you can have stretches where you mitigate that a little bit. Like, we've seen them have a couple-minute stretches where things are going well and they get to the rim through passing and cutting. You know, Robert Williams has really helped them a lot with that because um, he's a very good passer. And Tatum got better at passing as well. And Smart is a better passer than he's given credit for when he's allowed to pass, um, which Udoka did. So they definitely, like, tried to mitigate that um, to the extent that they could, but it's just a, really a a roster issue. And your offense is going to get better with KD. It's just how it is. Like, a lot of the... out, he, he can carry you outside in in a way that even Tatum and Brown can't... Or he can do that more frequently, I should say, when he's healthy. That's the thing. But if... You know, if he's not healthy, what happens? And all of a sudden you're in the same situation, but now you're down a star. You know, there's just a lot of ways it could go south. And maybe they decide the upside is worth it. Um, And again, if they think Jalen's going to bounce, then all of this shit really becomes moot. And then, you know, I get the logic, even if it's risky for sure. So it's, yeah, I I think I'm with you. the Kevin Durant met us. The, the other thing I wanted to mention that you touched on that I really agree with, and I've been saying this since before I was on podcasts or anything, but like Kevin Durant's just such a weird dude. Like he's, I do think he enjoys hooping. Like I'll never forget, like the best tickets I ever had to a game was a uh, what's up? No, I thought I thought you were going to talk about when he was. Um... When he went to like he did all that, yeah, the park tour during. Uh, oh yeah, I mean that was definitely that's definitely the the main example. But even beyond that, like when he gets on those heaters, you can see he loves just like fucking sticking the knife in and and that shit is that's that when people say like that real hooper love of the game shit, that's what that is. Like the like I was saying, the the best. Tickets I ever had, which I can't afford, but somebody blessed me with, were like really close seats when he scored 40 versus the Knicks at the Garden back when Frank and fucking Noah Vonley were like our only hope at contending, I mean, defending him. And uh, he scored oh, 25 in, yeah, in yeah. one quarter. And I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. And you could, t- this motherfucker was gleeful. Like, he loved it. And I, I think that that's always there. But it's what you what you alluded to, which is like there's shit around the game, which is inevitably part of the game when you're a professional. And, you know, we've seen it with like how he makes decisions. And we touched on this last week with his like sort of impulsiveness. But he he seems like a guy who's perpetually grasping for being content, not just like on the court but just in general in life. And that's not to say he's like some unhappy dude, but like to find that higher level of being content. I don't think I see that there. Like you do with the other, the greats. And that's not even like a, like a slight at Durant. Like I, I hope everybody finds that in life. Um, 
unless it comes between you and the Knicks championship, then I hope you don't find it. But <laughs> in general, like, like, dude, that, that sucks for Kevin Durant, man. Like, I hope he finds that shit somewhere, right? Like, it's, he's, he's content, but there's that higher level of, like, purpose that I don't know. He just kind of floats from one thing to the next. And it is what it is. I know a lot of people like that in different walks of life, and they're fine, right? There's a lot of, you could be in a lot worse situations. It's just when you see people like the Pantheon guys, right? Who he's like been in conversations with, whether it's Kobe or Braun or other staff, like, you know, these guys are like what I have achieved. Like I have strived for the most and achieved it. And I continue to like break the ceiling every time on and off the court. Like both of these, all these fucking guys, Steph is like, I'm going to be a fucking funny cornball and beloved and it is what it is. I'm going to do dances with my wife and all that shit. And guess what? I'm still going to be unfuckwithable. LeBron has obviously like a zillion like mogul things going on. Kobe was like, he was actually shifting towards, you know, before he passed, he was shifting towards, uh, you know, new goals in, in his life as a retired player and as a father. I mean, he, won and an all that he won an Academy Award. Yeah, for his uh the children's book narration or whatever. So like, you know, like you don't you're right, you don't see that with KD, and that's not to say he's some like bitter fucking loser guy who's just unhappy, but it, it's just it's it's just so rare to see that from a guy. And I and I yeah, I was thinking while you were ranting, like, I wonder if there's dudes like that from like before we were paying attention, like back in like the eighties and seventies and like I'm sure there's there's other guys who are like that, but because of you know, the nature of technology being different and coverage being different. Like I, I wonder how much, I wonder who it was. And this, I need to hit up one of the, one of the OGs in the Strickland discord or on Twitter who been fucking going to Knicks games since like the sixties and stuff like that and, and see what they think. Cause I'm genuinely curious cause there's just not many analogs for that um, in today's game. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.